Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. chapter number one and uh starting with verse number verse number five today now i hope that you brought your bibles this morning i hope you bring your bibles all the time but i hope you brought your bibles this morning because we're going to be bouncing around just a little bit in these first 11 verses of the book the book of peter today and uh i i doubt that i will get a uh, done what I uh, feel to accomplish today, but we we know how to stretch things over a few weeks. I think we can do it. And so, Second Peter one verse five, the Bible says, "And beside this, giving all diligence, <clears throat> add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience." To patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. Amen. This morning, for a little while, I'd like to speak to us on this subject matter. Christian maturity. Christian maturity or maturity, however you wish to say maturity or maturity. Christian maturity this morning. Hallelujah. Let's pray together, if you will. Lord, I come to you today. I'm grateful, Lord, for the spirit, God, that I recognize in this place. God, it's a living spirit. God, it's a spirit, God, that knows no bounds or limitations. God, I'm grateful today for it. I pray, oh, Lord, enlighten our minds and our hearts this morning through and by your word. I pray, oh, Lord Jesus, be with us, God, this coming week, God, as we endeavor to consecrate and dedicate dedicate, Lord, some time and ourselves in attention to you. I know, oh God, that you will, God, not Lord, overlook us, but God, you see, God, where we are at. Help us, Lord, this morning, Lord, with this Christian maturity, Lord, maturity, Lord, in our lives. I pray, oh Lord, let it surface, let it be made known in the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen, amen. I want to say amen. amen. Shake a hand next to you, if you may, if you will, before you're seated. You might not have had a chance to do that before church, so just take a little time and shake their hand now. Amen. In time for service. I can't guarantee, another reason why it's good to bring your Bibles, because I cannot guarantee uh, the, 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 the media this morning. We're having technical difficulties here getting started today, so it may belly up at any time. All right. So that you take, bring your Bibles, because if your fingers work and your mind works, you're going to be in pretty good shape uh, with the Bible this morning. Uh, 2 Peter chapter number 1, Christian, Christian maturity. Have you ever witnessed somebody from a distance, perhaps in the public, that you know were X number of years old, and you had thought to themselves, boy, they really need to grow up. Now, I won't, I won't, I won't say maybe perhaps in your own family. I won't say that. <laughs> Have you ever, have you ever witnessed somebody like that? You, you, maybe you took a scene in, maybe you overheard something, and, and you thought with it. Maybe it's even in maybe an article or something that you've read before. You know, people and their actions, and you thought to yourself, "I cannot believe that person was forty-five years old and they did that." I mean, they're acting like a child, they're acting below their years and we all times say they just they just need to grow up or we look sometimes at young people as they start to get into that 
legal spot called 18 and you're an adult then. You know, something magical happens, you turn 18 and boom, you're an adult. Well, by all legal status, that's the way it goes. But I've seen uh, that, that number be betrayed well into sometimes even the 30s uh, before adulthood was ever reached, literally. And sometimes we give our time, you know, young people, we think, man, why don't you act your age and not your shoe size? You know what I'm talking about. Why, why don't you grow up? We know in essence, whenever we deal with that on a physical plane, we deal with that many times on a spiritual plane. And uh, I believe Peter was uh, trying to admonish uh, the early church even in some of these lines that they needed to grow in God. They needed to mature in Christ. And Peter had a very good platform by which uh, he was trying to guide them along the way that they would mature and that they would become a little more uh, responsible and proactive about their relationship with God. Because when we read the scriptures in Second Peter, Second Peter is dealing with uh, false doctrines that seem to be coming in the church just seemed to be rampant at this particular time in the church and uh, people could very easily be swayed to the left or to the right uh, very easily start taking these false doctrines and making them their own but he says if you if you mature and if you'll grow in Christ and you'll familiarize yourself more uh, with the scriptures and more with the godly doctrines then you'll be less apt to follow or even succumb to some of these false teachers and false doctrines that are happening because they're going to happen. There's always going to be a false teacher. There's always going to be a counterfeit for the genuine. There's, there's, there's always going to be something that's trying to... I mean, just look at the marketing today. There might be a mainstream something that's known for something. Someone's going to change something just a little different. It's so similar. It's almost the same, and it's cheaper. And so they're going to try to get in there and they're trying to sell it to you because it seems like the, be the better way. It's the, you know, it's, it's close enough. And so this is the mentality that Peter was dealing with in his day. And so as a safeguard for the people that were exposed to this, he's trying to tell them, hey, you, you just need to mature in Christ. The solution he has, become more mature in God, know more about God, know more about his doctrines. He, he emphasizes greatly in 2 Peter knowledge. Uh, you need to be knowledgeable, amen, uh, about this, this walk of life that you have started. And in doing so, you'll, you'll, you'll keep yourself protected from some of the wiles of the false doctrine of your age. Amen. And as it would be with, with, with most of the epistles, here's Peter. He starts out this one. We've talked about this a lot on Wednesday nights. But Peter starts out this epistle no different than many epistles are started out. And, and he begins with grace and peace. He says grace and peace. But this is interesting to me here this morning as I was looking at this. Whenever he begins to say grace and peace, usually it's grace and peace to you. But, but, but Peter switches things up a little bit. He says grace and peace be not just extended to you, but in this book of First and Second Peter, grace and peace are spoken as being multiplied. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. Amen. And he's saying, being multiplied to you through the knowledge of God, at verse number two, Sister McGee, and of Jesus our Lord, be multiplied to you through knowledge. He said, let grace and peace not just be extended to you, but let them be multiplied to you by means of knowledge. Now, look, look what he says here. This, this is just tremendous to me because he goes on and says in verse 3, according as his divine power hath given unto us all. Everybody say all. all. 
His divine power hath given unto us all things. Amen. That pertain unto life and godliness. In other words, he says, through knowledge, this grace and peace that is given to you, uh, by this divine power, has been given to you all things that pertain unto life and unto godliness. So none of us are like, you know, uh, sometimes you say, I tell you what, whenever brains were handed out, they were behind the door, you know. <laughs> You've all probably said it maybe once or twice. That's not the case when it becomes with the things of God. Nobody's behind the door on spiritual things. Amen. Because by his divine power, he has given to us all things that pertain to life. And that pertain, look particularly, to godliness. He's given everyone all things. Amen. And so look, if we go just a little further, and we'll just wade in here a little bit. In verse 4, whereby are, are given unto us exceeding, everybody say exceeding, great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is the, in the world through lust. We received exceeding, I like that, not just great, but exceeding great. Exceeding great and precious, precious promises. It's not a knockoff promise. This is a precious, a well-valued, a, a very well-valued commodity pros, pr, uh, promise. Amen. This way. And, and we've received this by the, divine, by the divine power. Amen. Of God. Amen. And we've received these things, these, these great promises, exceeding great, these precious promises, so that we might be partakers of the divine nature. The divine nature. The divine nature, could I say, in essence, is the Holy Ghost. The divine nature of God is the Holy Ghost that we receive of God. The Holy Ghost, in essence, is the divine nature of God. He's given us an exceeding great and precious promise. The Bible even bears that out in Acts 1 and 4. Uh, before the day of Pentecost was fully come, whenever Jesus is speaking to them again concerning the promise, he had spoke of them uh, about at several different instances. In Acts 1 and 4, the Bible says, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not but depart from Jerusalem, but what? But wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. One of the exceeding great and precious promises that we have of God is the Holy Ghost. And that exceeding great and precious promise allows us to be a partaker of the divine nature of God, which is the Holy Ghost. So he tells us all these things, but then look at verse 5. We're getting to where we need to be going. Then in verse 5 he says, and beside this, wait, stop, hold on. I got an exceeding great precious promise that made me a partaker of the divine nature, and after all that you're saying, and beside this? Hold on. You're telling me that there's something else or something more or something that's necessary beyond having received the divine nature, the Holy Ghost? Uh-huh. He says, and beside this. In other words, beside partaking of, divine, of the divine nature. Besides being filled with the Holy Ghost. Besides having God's Spirit within you. Beside all of this, he says, give all diligence and add to your faith in the list of seven star after faith virtue knowledge temperance patience 
godliness, brotherly kindness, and charity. Paul is speaking to many that are spirit-filled believers right here. His audience, if you will, of spirit-filled people. An audience of people who are partakers of the divine nature. And he says to them, beside all of this, add virtue to your faith. He said add. Notice, notice, notice the scripture in particular, verse 5. Giving all diligence, add to your faith. The word add there right within itself, that, that's what we would call in English an uh, understood you statement. Who's he talking to? He's talking to you. Everybody say me. He's saying add. You who are the divine, you who are the partakers of the divine nature, you who have the Holy Ghost. You have been born again of the water and the spirit and have repented of your sins and you've talked in tongues as the spirit gave the utterance. You. Yes. He's not talking to Joe Blow on second and fifth that's in the pit and the mire of sin, which he was. He's talking to people that's got out of that. And he's saying, now that you got the Holy Ghost, you still need to add some things. Man, because and I say this for all today, it is an absolute misconception to think that we received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Man, we punched our ticket, everything's fine and dandy. Whoop, whoop. We're on the good old gospel train here. Amen. No, Peter says, after you got that, don't stop there. Don't, don't let that be both the start and the end of your journey. Don't, don't just occupy space in just having that, but let, let, let's go on. Let's continue. Let's mature. Amen. Uh, you know, baby's born. Woo! I'm so glad that her, there it is. Newborn baby. And that, man, I tell you, there's a lot of work after that thing's born. Isn't that right? Man, there's a, there's a lot of work that's still involved. And it's not just what parents have. That child's got a lot of work. You imagine the headache of having to try to learn how to crawl now. I... I don't know what I was thinking whenever I did it, but I could only imagine if you could get inside of the head of a child, what they were thinking, you know, put one leg up, one arm up, boom, there, hit that floor. Seriously, trying to walk and you all, and they're saying, come to me, but I know what happened last time. I'm not an idiot, you know. <laughs> but in order to ever get to that place of crawling or to walking, it's more than just being born that's going to allow them and enable them to do that. It requires something from them. And in this Christian walk, just being born again in the water of spirit in order to grow and mature and go in further with God, it requires more than just being born. Amen. It requires some diligence, if you will, on our part. So after we come to God, we need to understand there is still a becoming process. There's still a becoming process after we've been born again, uh, amen, in life that's going to help us mature into everything that God would want for us to be, amen. Uh, the apostle Paul told us in Ephesians 4, one of the reasons, he says, one of the reasons in Ephesians 4 that you have apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers, one of the reasons, you can look at it, Ephesians 4.15, and I'm turning there today because I don't know how, yeah, there you have it. Ephesians 4 and verse number 15, 
He's, he's talking about uh, the, the distribution of the fivefold ministry, how these are given to the church. He told us, yes, for the perfecting of the saints, for the edifying of the body, for the work of the ministry. But he continues to tell us one of the reasons why those people were given to the church, those offices were given to the church in 4.15. But speaking the truth in love, these people that serve in these offices, yes, they need to speak the truth. But yes, it must be done in love because truth all by itself is very forceful, Scripture says. So when you speak, it has to be done with love because it's forceful by itself. And so they speak the truth in love and may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. So the, the prophets and the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, the apostles, all these people are given to us these, this group of people was given to us, amen, so that they might help us, if you will, so that we, the church, would grow up in Him. That they may grow up in Him. In who? In Christ Jesus. So He's given us preaching and teaching to not leave us where we were when we were born, but to provoke us to grow. And I hope Every once in a while there's a syllable that falls out of my mouth, whether it be Wednesday, Sunday morning, Sunday night, that somewhere in your journey provokes you to grow. Amen. Because I'd be a sorry sap pastor if I never came to this pulpit and something that was being said wasn't provoking you. Like a man with a prodding stick that's telling you you can't stay here you got to go on. So we, we, we need to, uh, man, do yourself a favor. I'm not doing that. Do yourself a favor. Pray, God, let my pastor provoke me to grow. Let your word and the teaching of your word provoke me to grow. Because I don't want to be a drooling baby that throws up and has to have my butt changed all the time. <laughs> Okay, I don't have no access to grind. I'm just, I'm just teaching. Amen. So, so, so here it is. This, this has all happened. They're, they're provoking. He, he's speaking the truth in love that they may grow up into Him and all in all. Look at this, folks. In all things, it would be a little ridiculous that little Johnny learns how to walk, but he never learned how to feed himself. You know what I'm saying? Well, look, to, he might even get to where he could run a marathon. Man, he's in the Olympics. He could run the marathon. But whenever it came mealtime at the marathon, there's mommy there with the bib around his neck. Just here's your, here's your little cube steak there, Johnny. No, no, no. I'm just using the name, Brother Peterson, okay? Looked out there and seen him, and boy, I thought, man, we're going we're gonna to put a bridge over that water real quick, you know. In all things, that you may grow up in him in all things. Now, I understand growth processes. and Some things come more natural for some people than it does for others. I've all times used just an uh, analogy here of late uh, with Bishop, but, you know, you can have two people that serve in the same classroom with the same subject. They both might make an A, but to one it came more naturally and the other one had to work a whole lot harder for what they got. And I understand we might have those levels in the church, but it shouldn't deter us, though, from trying to grow in the area. And we got to then be, 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 be very conscious, amen, concerning our brothers and sisters in Christ because what may have been easy for you in one period where it's hard for you, that's where it may be easy for them. 
So, so don't cast too hard an eye about their diligence in an area because it's hard for them and easy for you. Because there's probably some other area that it's, it's easy for you, but it's hard for them. And I just want to bring this up because this filtered through my mind the other day. You know, so, we can only really on a, a true basis, whenever I say judge people, you know, uh, based upon whatever may materialize in their life that we can see in the open arena publicly, okay? And whenever that happens, sometimes we can't cast judgment, you know, in our minds, our hearts, whatever. And we, we draw our assumptions and our opinions. But I, I, wanna, I just want to share this today because this came to be just, just a few weeks ago. Uh, I was thinking along these lines. Whenever we see an incongruence that happens in the public, the, the public arena of our lives, of our brothers or sisters, and man, we think, man, why are they doing that? They shouldn't, you know, so on and so forth. Here's something that you may not know. Listen to me very clearly because I want us to get this. You do not know how many times they may have said no to that before they failed to do it. Somebody hear me today? We, we see it materialize, brother, brother DePriest says, man, just chop that tree down. Bless God, what do they think? What in, what in the world's going on? What do they think they're doing? Sister Angie, they may have denied that 10 times before they gave in to it. Amen. But that's what we don't know. But who's to say? I don't know. So we need to be careful because whenever we bring the axe to the tree, Man, they're already dealing with something because, man, I said no this ten times and now I finally gave in. It's getting quiet in here. <laughs> I gave in. But when you lay that axe there, what you don't know is that there was ten times that they stood strong, ten times that they said no, and they just finally gave in. Okay. Amen? Just food for thought. Just food for thought. So we want to grow up in, in, into him in all things the writer said now <clears throat> look if you will and I have okay it goes without saying I got scriptures okay first Peter chapter number two amazing it amazes me where we have guest speakers here and they say they gave me a lot of scriptures everybody looks at me with a smile on their face <laughs> first Peter two and two look at this I'm getting there. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. What is the thereby referring back to? The word. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby or that ye may grow by the word. The thereby refers to what? It refers to the word. If I, if, I, if I may today, as we give diligence or as we apply the word, as we give diligence, as we apply the word, listen to the preaching and the teaching of the word that we've heard from God from those Wednesdays and those Sundays, amen, those Bible studies, it will cause us to grow. It will cause us to grow. Now, I feel confident, and this is not self-confidence, please, but I feel confident that there is word that goes forth from here during the times that we have service. And so that if a person 
is intentionally listening, uh huh, digesting, and for the most part, trying to apply was being taught or preached. They will, by some measure, have growth in their spiritual life. And if there is no growth, amen, if there is no growth, and yet the word is being shared, there's a disconnect then somewhere between it falling past this pulpit and helping your life for growth. There's a disconnect somewhere. I remember what preacher, he said, man, I don't want to preach. He says, sometimes preaching, it looks like all the bread just stacked right up around the pulpit. <laughs> want to get it just a little further out than that. Somebody bag some of that, you know, take it home. Eat on it for the next few days before you get back here. So don't, don't allow there to be a disconnect because if there's a disconnect there, it's going to hurt your growth. Amen. Oh, the old saying, well, you can take a horse to the water, but you can't make him drink. You can provide it. Matter of fact, we see a lot of places in the Scripture, Lord provided food for a lot of animals, you know. But they still got to take the initiative to put it in their mouth, eat it, whatever. You know, there's got to be some type of initiative on their own. So, so thank God here, we're newborn babes. But whenever we desire that sincere milk of the word of God, he said, we will grow thereby. It's, we're going to grow thereby. We grow by the word of God. And with that being said this morning, I might touch on this more than once. That again just underscores what we're trying to do in this new year with 24-7 of taking 24 minutes of every day, 24 minutes for prayer and Bible reading, that's collectively together, of every day, amen, in this year, to give prayer and Bible reading. What are you doing? Because the more that I not only just get the word from the teaching and preaching that happens at church, but I plant myself in the word on a daily basis, doing so is going to help my growth in God. It's going to help my Christian spiritual maturity. If I get in his word and his word gets in me, by the word, therefore I grow and say well brother McGee I just really don't have a desire for this now I understand what the scripture said he said desire the sincere milk of the word if you don't desire this then take it to God in prayer and say God give me a desire for your word like I've never had before give me such a hunger and such a thirst for your word one why in the world would I do that because I don't always want to be a babe in this thing I want to grow so if anything ask God for desire not just for the sake of desiring his word but for the sake of wanting to grow as a Christian amen because spiritual growth indicates life. Growth on any scale, it indicates some sort of life. Alive things grow. Amen. So I need and I want and God to cultivate some growth in my life. Amen. If you can turn to Galatians 4, I'll tell you a scripture to land on whenever I finally decide to land there. But in Galatians 4, this is if you just read the whole chapter of Galatians 4, Paul is speaking to a group that seized being faithful to their new life in God. They seized being faithful to their new life in God. Matter of fact, Paul even recalls, he says, hey guys, he says, you once were servants. You once were servants. But you were made sons. How? How? You look at it in Galatians 4. By receiving 
the Spirit into their hearts. So he's talking to these people. So these are people that received the Spirit of God in their hearts. They went from servant status to son status, but now he's dealing with them because they're starting to become unfaithful to the Spirit that they had received in their life. As a matter of fact, it seems that some of those who had received the Spirit and had started this new life, some of them are now returning to some of their old ways. Some of their old paths. Some of their old habits. Paul calls it the weak and the beggarly elements. Amen. He says, some of you, he says, some of you return into that. You, you've been a new creature in Christ. You went from servanthood to sonship. You have the Spirit of God in you, but some of you are starting to, 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 to turn away from and ignore that new spirit life that you have, and you're going back some of the old ways. You're going back to the bondage that you were delivered from. Look at it. He said, you're going back to some of the bondage that you were delivered from. And in Galatians 4.11, and, and this just makes me smile for whatever reason, but Paul says, I'm afraid of you lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. Paul says, I, I'm, I'm afraid that I may even wasted my time on you. He's a frustrated leader. <laughs> he said, I'm even wondering if, I'm, if man, did I, put my, did I put my blood, sweat, and tears in the right pot, you know? I'm almost afraid that maybe I might even, you know, labored and bang. Did I, did I waste my time on you? But then he says, look now, Galatians 4 and verse number 19. He says, my little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. He says, until I travail in birth again. He said, I already walked this road once. You were bondage, you were in sin, you had addictions, you had hang-ups, you had ways and stuff that were not, were not godly. And he said, and I travailed that God would bring you out. And he did. He brought you from servanthood to sonship. He put his spirit in you. But you went back to the weak and beggarly elements of the world and now I'm in travail that you might be birthed again. He said, you backslid. All right? You picked some things up that you put down after you first came to God. Yeah. And he says, now I'm travailing that you might be born again, again. <laughs> he says, but this time, he said, I'm going to work real diligent at this. He says, none. He said, I'm going to travail. I'm going to pray. Not until Christ be formed in you. He says, I'm not just praying that Christ gets in you. I'm praying that Christ gets formed in you. Listen to the definition of the word formed here in the New Testament Scripture. Formed literally means this. Until a mind and life is, complete, is in complete harmony with mind and life of Christ. Till that's been formed in you. Until your mind and life is in complete harmony with the mind and the life of Christ. That's what formed is in the New Testament. Paul says, I'm going to travail till your life, I don't grasp this, and your mind is in harmony, tandem, similar. When you look at one, you can almost see any discrepancy from the other of the life and the mind of Christ. Yes, 
That's amazing. He said, I'm not quitting until, I'm not quitting, I'm not quitting this prayer until that happens. Because I don't just need Christ in you, I need Christ to be formed in you. I need your mind to be like his mind. Amen, I need your life to be like his life. And until that takes place, until the completeness and the wholeness of that takes place, Christ is not yet completely formed in you. And I'm here to tell you, as the pastor of the First Apostolic Church today, Christ is not yet completely formed in me. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm on this journey. I'm still growing. I'm still trying to mature as a Christian. And this, this whole thing won't be complete until rapture day. But that doesn't mean for me to have a change all of a sudden from babyhood to adulthood at rapture. Someone understand what I'm talking about right now? He says, so, so, so I, I need Christ to be formed in me. Now look at verse 10 of 2 Peter chapter number 1. Back to 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 10. Look at this. <clears throat> he says... Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence. Here we are with that wording again. He told him to give all diligence, and then he said, add to your faith virtue. And he gets back to this diligence idea in verse number 10. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence. Why? To make your calling an election sure. For if you do these things, ye shall never fail. He said, give all diligence to add to faith these seven other virtues. Add to that divine nature that you got, that you was a partaker of, that exceeding great precious promise. You got the Holy Ghost. Add these other things to that. Give diligence to that. Why? So that you can make your calling and your election. Sure. Oh, glory. Someone say amen. He admonishes us to add these other attributes, these other things to the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost that we have received, because by doing so, we'll make our calling and our election sure. Amen. So being partakers of the divine nature, being filled with the Spirit of the Lord, amen, makes us one of His. Scripture says that. When we receive the Spirit of the Holy Ghost, we are one of His. Do you know what adding the other attributes do? Make that much more sure. That much more stable. That much more confident. Romans 8 and verse number 9. If we'll turn there today. The Bible says that if we receive the Spirit of Christ, we receive the Spirit of the Lord, that we are one of His. If we have not His Spirit, quite on the contrary, we are, we are none of His. Romans 8 and verse number 9. Look at it with me. But ye are not in the flesh but in the, in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So if you have not the Spirit, you're none of his. So if you have the Spirit, conversely, you are his. All right? But skip down to verse number 12 now. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh for if ye live after the flesh ye shall die spiritually but if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body ye shall live so if you don't have his spirit you're none of his but if you have his spirit you are one of his But after, listen to me, folks, but after you become one of his, all right, 
If you endeavor to still try to live after the flesh, you will die. Mm -hmm. If after you receive the Spirit of God, you still try to, to fondle and pay attention to the things of the flesh, you are going to die spiritually. So just as soon as His Spirit came in you and you became one of His, you can just as surely become not one of His by paying attention and trying to live after the flesh. Even after you've been born of the Spirit, you shall die. He said, we're not a debtor to the flesh. You don't owe the flesh anything. We're not debtors to the flesh. In essence, we're debtors to the Spirit. It's the Spirit that changed our status from servanthood to sonship. We owe the Spirit something. He says the only way you're going to have life, the only way that you're going to live is if you, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body. Mortify. New Testament. New Testament meaning of the word mortify. To put to death. You got to put to death the deeds of the body of this fleshly body. It also means, listen to me today here, it means liberated from the bond of anything, literally to be made dead in relation to something. <laughs> he says you got to put to death those things of the flesh, those, those deeds of the flesh. They don't need to be alive to you they don't need to be active to you. Is someone here what I'm saying? Whenever you come to know God and you're baptized again of the water and the Spirit and you're in Christ and the Spirit is in you and you're one of His, it is the best advice that I can give to you and that is mortify the deeds of the flesh. The things that once connected you to being a servant, those old sins, addictions, whatever they may be, you need them to be dead to you. In other words, they need to be as well as has gone, non-existent, no life, no activity. Amen. You need to be liberated, as it says, from the bond of those things. <laughs> they need to be made literally dead to you. You know, the old, ter the old terminology, particularly about the Jews, if one had done something that was not well thought of by the Jewish community, they would tell them, you're dead to me. You're dead to me. It's as though they didn't exist. They didn't live. They didn't have a name. You no longer exist. I've already moved on. It's over. I'm over you. You're forgotten. As a matter of fact, the preacher in Ecclesiastes, Solomon, whenever he's speaking in, in, in the Ecclesiastical book, he tells us very plainly that the dead are forgotten. It doesn't matter how notable they were. If they had a big name of recognition, when you die, guess what? You end up being forgotten. I know, but you end up being forgotten. Amen. It, it happens. It doesn't matter how notable they may have been in their lifetime. When they die, they are forgotten. And with the things in your life that you did and experienced before God, the things you used to do, the things you used to involve yourself with, Whenever you come to God, they need to be dead. And with that, they need to be... For, it doesn't matter how notable they may have been in your life. 
how much of a part of your old life they used to be a part of. When you come to God, those things need and must die if you're going to continue to live spiritually. If you're going to mature and grow in God's grace, some things have to die. Peter gives a certain verdict back in our scripture setting today, 2 Peter 1. Peter gives a certain verdict on what will not happen. Listen to me. On what will not happen if you add these seven other traits and things to your life to mature in Christ. And this is powerful, folks. Absolutely powerful. Because Peter says, if you do these things, you can look back at verse 10 again. You're making your calling election sure by doing these things. You have a more sure standing in being a child of God and remaining a child of God if you grow in God. Okay? You're one of his right from the get-go by his spirit. But you give yourself a more sure steadfast setting if you continue to grow in that spirit. And here's something else he tells us that will not happen. You shall, look, look, ye shall never. Now, he don't just throw around terms like this. Ye shall never fall. He didn't say you should never stumble. He didn't say you never, he didn't say ye shall never make a mistake. But he said you'd never fall. Because the the fall is the complete stopping finish line of a mistake that continues going as a mistake. As a stumble, remember we talked a few weeks ago on Wednesday nights, sometimes you lose your balance before you fall, but sometimes you lose your balance and you don't fall. Christ is trying to tell us that if you'll add these things to your life, you'll grow in maturity and grace in God. He says you'll stumble and you'll make mistakes, but if you keep those things added to your life and are diligent about that, you won't fall. And your feet and your calling election will be sure, and when Christ comes, you'll be ready to go. Because you didn't just stop at new birth, you continue to grow. You'll never, never fall. So, so you need to mature in that relationship. You need, to, you need to add some things to that relationship. You know, has anybody just been an all over a butterfly? I know how my kids are. Oh, look, there's a butterfly, and they go chasing it. They try to get some kind of makeshift, you know, they'll grab a shirt or whatever to try to catch a butterfly. They're just awed, you know, by a butterfly, the beauty of a butterfly, the fluttering of the wings, you know, it's pattern of flight. It's just erratic. Man, it's just kind of all inspiring the butterfly. However, though, that butterfly was one time a caterpillar. I think people go, snuff that one out. (laughs) Nothing very beautiful about a caterpillar. Not really. Maybe someone has a foreign affection with that, and that's fine. You have your right to do that. But I'd much rather look at a butterfly than a caterpillar. That butterfly was one time a caterpillar. But in order to become a butterfly, you had to undergo a change. Now listen very close to me right here. This is just an analogy so we can all just kind of get on the same page and grab what's trying to be said here this morning through the Spirit. 
Furthermore, though, the diet of the butterfly is not the same as when it was a caterpillar. I looked up this morning. Caterpillars eat on leaves of trees and plants with flowers. Now this, I had to throw this in because it just hit me just right this morning. It said, since caterpillars start out as eggs on leaves, they usually eat from the plant or tree on which their lives began. Mm -hmm. That's so true. We're born into this thing called sin. And where we have been laid, that environment is usually what we feed upon. But that caterpillar had to go through a change. And whenever that caterpillar goes through the change and enters into that chrysalis and comes out of there and emerges from there, the butterfly's food is not leaves on the ground or on a tree or bark. It's the nectar of the flowers. So once you become a butterfly, your diet is not the same as it was when you was a caterpillar. And whenever you become a child of God, and whenever His Spirit gets inside of you, your diet should not be the same as it was prior to having God's Spirit in you. There's a change. Yes, not just caterpillar from butterfly, but there's a change in your diet. There's a change in what you desire. There's a change in what you have an appetite for. We got to grow. We got to. Do you not think scientists would scratch their head if they seen some butterfly nibbling on some leaf somewhere and bark? Yes. That's just not psychologically and scientifically right. Their diet's supposed to change when they've had a change in their body. God, help me, Lord, as a Christian. Not just be filled with your spirit, but grow in your spirit. Let my appetite be different. Let me not go back to the weak and the beggarly elements. Let me have manna from heaven, food from up above. It's going to help me in my growth. It's going to make my feet sure. I'll make my calling an election. I'll see heaven someday. I never will fall. I might stumble, but I'll never fall if I do that. Let me go just a little while longer. I don't do this every day, but I'm going to today. That is, go a little while longer. No. <laughs> just a little while longer. Can't do it every day. We don't have church every day, so. <laughs> Proverbs thirteen twenty. I'll bring to close in the next six minutes or so. There's a lot of room for interpretation with and so. You gotta catch these things, folks. You better get it on your feet, I'm telling you. Proverbs 13, 20. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise. But a companion of fools shall be destroyed. 
he that walketh with wise men shall be wise. I want you to note, if you've noticed the inflection of my voice, I want you to note, shall be wise. This is something that will happen. Indicating to you and I as readers that they were not wise when they first started walking with the wise. But through a period of time of walking with the wise, they themselves became wise. We're talking about before God, after God, growing in Christ, maturing. Very simply today, this is not just for the positive, but also in the negative mindset. You will become what you walk with. You will become what you walk with. To further clarify this, 1 Corinthians 15, verse number 33 this morning. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33. The Bible says these words. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Literally the word communications in the New Testament there interpreted from the Greek language. Be not deceived. Evil companionship corrupt good manners. When we spend time with people on a regular basis, we're going to find ourselves, if we're not the strong ones, there's many that's not, but we will find ourselves becoming like them. If I could put in a nutshell of 1 Corinthians 15, this is in essence what it says. Our company directly affects our manners. Our company directly affects how we act. And so with that understanding, then, what does that tell me as a new spiritual Christian in Christ? I got to protect who I have companionship with because ultimately it's going to affect how I act. And please, someone misunderstand me. Well, Birmingham's talking about isolation. Bless God, we can have no friends outside the church. da 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 you can have friends outside the church. And let me tell you this. If you're spending more time with them than ones in the church, you better watch it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because over a period of time, that's going to start affecting your manners. And however they walk, ye shall walk. Well, bless God, Brother McGee. I want you to note something. You do this for a little Bible study on your own because I've already done it. <laughs> you look through the Gospels. You know what happens more than people say, well, Jesus ate with publicans and sinners. Yes, he did. But if you look at several of the Gospel accounts whenever all that happened, you know what? It wasn't that he went to them, but they came to where he was. Look at the Gospels. Read it through, folks. I've read it. So I'm not just telling you. I'm not throwing something in the, in the air that I didn't already shoot with a gun. <laughs> all right? I've done it. Yeah, he ate with them. 
No, but a lot of times they are the ones that are doing the congregating. They're doing the ones they came to where he was. Look, if you will, Acts chapter, Acts chapter number four. Remember, the lame man has just been healed. I got a minute. Okay. <laughs> the lame man had just been healed in Acts chapter number three, Peter and John. There's a little upset now with the rulers and the elders, the scribes, the high priests. The Bible tells us that these people, these high-ranking officials, elders and scribes and high priests, they took knowledge of Peter and John in Acts 4.13. They took knowledge of them. The Bible says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. They took knowledge of them because they had been with Jesus. Now, how in the world could these scribes and these Pharisees and, and these high-ranking officials of high priests, how in the world could they deduce that these men had been with Jesus? Well, they were no doubt took notice and they, they, they seen their boldness that it spoke of. It seen the boldness of Peter and John. What was the boldness that they seen? The boldness in the healing of the layman. Their manners... Their actions, by what they did, they knew those boys had been with Jesus. How did they deduce that? Because Jesus, in his walking upon the earth, you know what he did? He healed lame men also. And their manners were like his manners, so they said they must be a companion or had been with Jesus. Because who you walk with affects your manners. And if your manners are one way, there'll be a telltale sign of who you're in companionship with. Jesus healed the lame. They healed the lame. If you'll stand with me this morning, I'll close right here. We'll continue next week. So again, this underscores the importance of what we're endeavoring to do as a church this year with 24-7. Because whenever we spend time with God through his word and through prayer, you know what's going to happen? According to some of these scriptures we read there in Proverbs and, and Corinthians, we're going to become more like him. Our manners are going to be more indicative of Christ. <laughs> and I know we're all subject to interpretation. Our lives, and I know... Some people's just looking for a bullseye, okay? You understand what I'm saying? Some people just looking for a bullseye to throw their dart. They'll make one if they got to. But I hope that it's said for the most part of the people of the body of God, the people's not trying to watch your life and figure out who you really are. Are they indeed filled with the Spirit and the Christian of God, or are they not? Huh. Let's call a committee on it. Let's see what's... No. Let it be very plain that their manners and their actions so harmonize. Christ is so formed in them that the mind and life is so in harmony and tandem. There's no doubt about it. They're with Jesus. Amen. Christian maturity. Christian maturity. Let's bow our heads in this place today, Lord. These altars are open, folks. And I would... Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. 
Thank you and have a blessed day.